0: Of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Life outside of the realm of hope can be equated truly to hell hell of depression, a place that is so overwhelming that one cannot escape from it. And therefore, hope is often through the means of what we experience as the social capital that we have, that provide the surety of economic and or emotional support when things go wrong. And social and market exclusion are often the ways, the most prominent, that we can uh, exercise as punishment, which we see is happening right now in the world against Russia. Mothering Sunday, or just simply known as Mother's Day in the UK, which we celebrate today, is accompanied by the reading this morning uh, of the prodigal son, a very well-known portion of the Bible, which, in which the parental love that is coming to the fore in the story stands as an archetypal metaphor of grace, The parable outlines some of the mechanisms of social rebirth and the factors that demand it. If a person is stuck and stateless, what are their options? Indeed, how great their desperation. When the youngest son in the story demands from his father his inheritance, the son implicitly murders his father. That is the severity of it in the culture of the day. Presumably, uh, presumably uh, there are just the two sons that we read of. Being the younger, he was entitled to one third of the estate, assuming that his father had already drawn up the world before his death and made it known to his children. And so by cashing in on the inheritance, the third of the land had to be sold and uh, leaving his father, who's still alive, along with his other brother, to live from the remaining land. So this would uh, likely compromise their ability to sustain their operations. Hence, there's sort of a hint that the son is still out in the, in the field, the older one, by the time the party goes on. And this, this makes them economically dependent on the other farmers, the neighboring farmers and the villagers who were obligated, according to the law of Moses, to support those in need and redeem the land after a set period known as the year of Jubilee. And so this boy was not just causing shame and harm to his family, but it put the entire community at risk, making them all more vulnerable. His older brother would likely assume already the role to what his inheritance entailed. And so this, the actions of the young man, you know, doesn't just happen in a vacuum. I think we, our curiosity is, is produced when saying that perhaps there was a family dispute, or, or what was it that prompted this excessive greed. The purpose of the story is to point out that it was in fact the, the greed that ultimately led to this dispute. And so by the time that the youngest, the youngest son is completely broke, it is ultimately an economic decision that makes him face up to this one option left to him, that he has to face the date, as it were. The father he completely disassociated with, but also his own bankruptcy in terms of social capital. Upon seeing his discredited son approach, filled, you know, being burdened with the reproach of what he's done, the father runs to him. And it's very, it's very undignified for an elder person in the Near Eastern culture to run. But he runs Not simply out of compassion, but he runs because the compassion compels him before the villagers get to him. Because if they shoot, they're likely to beat him up to the point of death. And they would consider it a favor done to the father. And so his embrace and his kiss signals the ultimate protection. And it puts the father now in an awkward position in saving face to the already disgruntled villagers. And so the reconciliation, therefore, has to be staged not just on a personal level, but on a community and societal level. And this is what Jesus is saying. And the village, therefore, has to be offered a piecemeal. And therefore, the party is granted and a lamb is slaughtered, which feeds more than just a few people. And this is the means to... Enable the son again to be accepted in this community. And so, the parable that Jesus is trying to say, and through it, Jesus is trying to say that it provides a theological insight into the cultural benefits that is to happen here, though it seems counterintuitive to the customs of the day. And it is aimed, of course, at the Pharisees as a criticism, but also as wisdom. That social rebirth of an outcast is actually beneficial to the community, despite the rules of engagement. The social structures are complex. The relations are complex, as we see. Evidently, the life of the prodigal is a reflection not simply of his own greed, but the sociological context that formed his character. His desire didn't just wasn't just generated in a vacuum. His desire exceeds what resources are available. It creates scarcity, the same scarcity at work within the mindset of the villagers, and therefore it creates a threat, an economic threat to their livelihoods. So the parable immediately follows from that criticism that the Pharisees um, project against Jesus about associating with tax collectors. And at the time, it's really a social mistake to allow tax collectors into your home. Because they would then go around and say, oh, this person has a bit more than we expected. (laughs) And therefore, they had license to increase the levies and the taxes as much as they would like, um, and and increase it. And you would agree with me that nobody wants to pay more taxes than they should. And so the social rebirth that Jesus is actually living out becomes a protest. It becomes a sort of an anti cultural, counter cultural, anti social behavior in the face of the Pharisees. And so, what has to offer a, a measure of sympathy today. To the criticism posed by the Pharisees, but this protest that Jesus is uh, is living out deterritorializes the discipline of desire by redistributing social and economic capital, and in this process, a religious birth can occur, and this is where the gospel becomes holistic. It's not just social. It's also spiritual for the values that these people then embody starts to change amid reconciliation and therefore it is the power of which the Apostle Paul speaks of they become in fact more spiritual and that is the liberation experienced that is not just about the rights and the dignity of a particular person but the ability for an ontological change by whereby your very desire becomes rehabilitated. A new creation is born. And the old self is healed from the rejection of scarcity. That you are only awarded and offered so much love and, and care. And this, and this then becomes the fulfillment in God. This in whom, who is the only source incomprehensible enough to address our insatiable desire that is to be human. And so the the redemption of the prodigal signals that there's a mystical development. It is no longer just the natural rules of society at play here, but it's like heaven coming down to earth and the rules change. And wisdom supersedes our best rationalism in the moment. Social rebirth happens for the prodigal. It happens also for the father, who has been disgraced. It happens for the community, who then has to uh, come to terms with what their values are. It's a holistic change. It's not just for the prodigal. And the prodigal and the community especially have their values realigned to the father's generosity of spirit, who clearly does not believe in scarcity, his compassion is therefore not just of parental love. It is a worldview of Sabbath. One of the, the critiques that the Pharisees lodged against Jesus that saw Sabbath as being oppressive and restrictive, whereas Jesus saying it is, it is about the abundance, believing that it's value that is not based on scarcity, that you don't have to work on the Sabbath because of grace. That grace is actually in this very uh, systemic system of belief and of, of economic life, a discipline that bestows status on the undeserving. There are actually multiple prodigals, therefore, in the story, because prodigal means um, to spend recklessly. So the biggest prodigal in the story is, in fact, the father, who is the greatest giver. Whereas the one who is most lost, most prudent, and yet most captured by the discipline of the agonizing, perhaps nihilistic, depressive, insufferable competition, is the older son, the one who seems most reasonable, who represents, therefore, a warning as the story ends, open ended, and it draws and it pulls up the mirror for us to look in our theology of economics have been institutionalized whereby the discipline of the other, the other that is spelled with a capital O, threatens our very comfort. And so by endorsing the rebirth of the prodigal son, the father accepts the economically despised. He accepts, as it were, the blue collar worker, the uneducated as an equal. And in the eyes of Jesus, they become the sages, the wise, the leaders in society, the one who can initiate change. And it is what Jesus is saying, the cross is a protest to the ones whose discipline is to to enforce a certain measurement, a certain rubric onto truth that only makes it rationalistic. It's so much more. And it is no wonder that for those who have social mobility, they would often embrace a liberation theology, those who don't find themselves at the top tier in the hierarchy of society, in order to undo the very structures that we find and see as convention. With the aim of establishing some kind of postmodern culture that views the world through every possible lens of spirituality. And this is happening around us and through us right now in our time and age. As the world becomes flatter and protests become more prominent and more prolific, and movements of various sorts and cultures, and pluralism is enhancing. So, Jesus in fact, was not just offering redemption as an altruistic value. It was a prophetic note. Prophetic in recognizing that in order not to be culturally irrelevant, requires the dis- redisciplining of our very own framework of desire, calling for social rebirth, for social reconstruction of our lives that would see the renewal and taking away of the reproach of the other, but also on us. And in this process, we then become the righteousness of God. For as you become the righteousness of God, it eliminates the fear of just being average, which is the deepest agony we all face. It takes away that fear and realizing that you are the righteousness of God and you can come to terms with yourself as much as you then start losing power. But it gives you at the same time this understanding as much as the Israelites did when they entered into the promised land. That instead of fear that this manna will no longer come and fall out of heaven, we can embrace the produce of the land. And how the counterintuitive, the reverse is at play. That instead of fearing It's actually empowering. Instead of the lack, the fear of lack, there's true hope. And this speaks about the power of reconciliation. And speaks about the ritual of reconciliation. And it is very accessible. And it's very accessible for you to put partake and for you to become this agent, this ambassador in the continuing ministry of the mission of God right now in our lives. That you can become the reconcilers. And it's as simple as the embrace. It's as simple as the compassion and understanding yourself in the reframing of the bigger picture of what it means to come into a social rebirth. Amen.